Good morning, Walloon family. How are you doing? Are you doing well? Good. Glad you're here today. Uh, we are in week number six in our series, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. It's based on a book by Peter Scazzaro. And the books you ordered, remember we had the sign-up sheet? They're here. Please go see Jody. Jody will uh, get you your book. She's out in the hallway after this service. And some of you have asked, uh, it's good what you're doing, what you're preaching, but I want to know more. Best way you can begin is to get the book. And good news, Jody has three extra emotionally healthy discipleship books. So if you want to be one of the three who gets, you didn't order it, but you'd like it, see Jody, and uh, that will help you get more deep, more understanding, uh, more abilities to be able to dig in and get emotionally healthy uh, in, uh, in your life. Most, most believers, sadly most Christians, are pretty unaware of the emotional baggage in our past that prevents us from moving forward in our faith and our journey with Jesus. Uh, you you got to dig down, you got to work at it, and uh, for many of us men, Myron, e emotion, that's a bad word, right? We don't think about emotions, we don't do emotions, but if you're a follower of Jesus and you want to get spiritually mature, you got to deal with the emotions. We're like icebergs, y'all. Uh, what you see up on top of our iceberg uh, is really only a small fraction of what's actually going on inside. Uh, we work really hard, we do, Isaac, to manicure and manage that top 10%. We want everybody to see a good iceberg up above when oftentimes down below the surface, we're a hot mess. We really are. Things, things aren't all that great down underneath. Uh, we've been saying this, but we'll put it up here on the screen, uh, Caleb. It's not possible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. You can't grow and be an adult with Christ while remaining a baby in your emotions. Those two things don't go together. And I'm just saying, lots of us, we know lots about Jesus, lots about the Bible, but we never dealt with the stuff below the surface. And we remain emotionally immature. Let me just point out, the heroes of the faith in God's Word were often people who had a lot of baggage, okay? The people recorded in God's Word oftentimes were broken, vulnerable, real people with flaws and weak spots. Let me just show you a couple of them. Okay, Scott, here we go. Moses. <laughs> Moses, who led the Hebrew slaves out of Egypt, uh, was a stutterer. He couldn't talk, and he was a runaway murderer. Other than that, he was in good shape. Think about it. King Saul, Israel's first king, was tall and good-looking on the surface. Everybody said, now that's a king. He was consumed with insecurity and jealousy. 
King David, a man described as a man after God's own heart, was a convicted by God murderer and adulterer. (laughs) Elijah, the miracle prayer warrior prophet, was often bipolar in his emotions. Elijah was, was in many ways pretty weak. Jeremiah, the prophet of courage and hope, was often depressed, and at times you read Jeremiah, uh, he was even suicidal at times. Peter, the leader of the apostle, the, the main preacher in the book of Acts, was impulsive and reckless and scared of little girls around campfires. Do you remember that? That was Peter, the leader of the early church. Timothy, the protege of Paul, commissioned by God as pastor. Timothy was an introvert, timid, little confidence, and he struggled probably with ulcers. That's Timothy. And Paul, the missionary, pastor, theologian, Apostle extraordinaire, he led the persecution of the early church. He led the charge to kill the Christians in the early church. He had a hot temper. Paul called himself a blasphemer. He was a violent man. And Paul said, this is true about me. I am the worst sinner I know. I am the worst of all sinners. That's how Paul referred to himself. Paul's life shows us that Christ's transforming power brings victory. That, that's what brings victory to our lives, okay? It, it gives us victory over the baggage of our past and brings fresh starts to our lives, okay? And it's Jesus Christ who brings emotional maturity to our lives, okay? We can quit covering up and struggling with our weakness. We can quit hiding what's below the surface, our brokenness. We can quit trying to amuse ourselves with quick fixes and uh, God substitutes. We can quit trying to numb the pain. This morning, I want to show you God's pathway to power and strength. How do you like that? Okay? We're going to see, if you want to know, how do I get God's power and God's strength in my life, Paul tells us today in his book, okay? So we're going to examine it, and let me warn you before we go there, it's not the path that most of us expect, okay? Power, strength, how do you get there? We're going to look at that today. Open up your Bibles, uh, get on your phones. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 today where the Apostle Paul shares with us the secret to being strong and powerful. The secret, God's secret to being powerful and strong. If you're able, would you stand with me? 2 Corinthians 12, I'm going to read verses 5 to 10 out loud together. Read with me, here we go. That experience is worth boasting about. But I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weaknesses. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so. Because I would be telling the truth, but I won't do it. Because 
I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. Even though I've received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, it's given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let's pray. Lord, thank you uh, for your word that gives us your truth regarding strength and power. And Lord, what we just read is certainly not the world's way to strength and power. So we yield this morning. We invite you to come take charge today in your church. We ask that the power of your book, your inspired words, and the power of your Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, we welcome you today in your church. Come meet, meet us today. We ask, please use these weak lips of mine to speak your truth this morning. And Lord, I, I just feel led to pray once again for the peace and the protection of Jerusalem. Lord, I, I'm asking that you would protect especially the innocent people in Israel as well as in Gaza. I, I pray especially for the brothers and the sisters who know the Messiah. Lord, uh, I'm asking that they might shine bright during a very dark and difficult and painful time there. I pray that Jesus Christ might be known and experienced even in times of war and death. So Lord, I, I lift up your chosen people in that land, even right now. And all the church family gathered at Walloon Lake said with one united voice, Paul, in verse 5, had just shared about his strengths. Okay? He, he talked about enduring persecution and danger. If you read back in uh, 2 Corinthians 12, he, he writes about all the hunger and thirst and sleepless nights. He, he writes about... Um, being shipwrecked, uh, being beaten with rods, five times beaten with a cat of nine tails, whipped nearly to death. And then he talks about his, uh, he was a descendant of Abraham, his ancestry, a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was extremely gifted by God. And, and it's like Paul uh, is just letting him know, hey, if you want to talk about strengths, I got a lot of strengths. I, I really do. I, I'm really gifted 
and I have a pedigree. Okay, So just understand, this message is not saying our strengths are all bad. You, you want to read about that, read earlier in 2 Corinthians 12. Paul, Paul gets in great detail with all of his strengths and all the things that he went through. Okay, But he says, look at verse 5, but I'd rather boast about my weaknesses. I'd rather talk about my weak areas. But, but why, Paul? Why are you only going to boast about your weaknesses? And, and he says, I'm going to boast about my weaknesses because it's my weaknesses that keep me humble. It's my weak spots. Paul's weaknesses kept him from becoming conceited and proud. Verse 7, read with me. Even though I've received such wonderful revelations from God to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. To prevent Paul from glorifying and exalting Paul, the Lord says, I'm, I'm going to let some weaknesses in. You should be glorifying and exalting Jesus, but as long as you're proud and full of yourself, Paul, that's going to be a problem. Okay? So the Lord allows a messenger, think about this, a messenger of Satan into Paul's life into Paul's body, if you will. The Greek word messenger, angelos, is literally a fallen angel, a demon that, that the Lord said, okay, have at it. The Lord Jesus allowed a demon to come upon Paul's body. Why? To be used as God's instrument of humility. Th this thorn... From this demon, just like in Job 1, uh, when the Lord allowed Satan to attack Job, uh, the Lord is allowing Satan to attack Paul. Keep going with me, verse 8. Three times, Paul says, I begged, I pleaded with the Lord Jesus, please take away this infuriating thorn. And three times the Lord said, no, I'm not going to take away this thorn. Paul, this is for the best. This is actually good for you. Um, let's just pause for a moment. What was Paul's thorn? What, what was it? Can I tell you, scholars, um, commentators, they got lots of ideas. But here's the truth. We really don't know exactly what Paul's thorn was. Lots of guesses. Um, here's what I do believe. Uh, it's general enough so all of us could say, I get it. it it's a thorn, and I've got a, a thorn, and Paul had one, um, and now we can better identify with Paul by leaving it general. Here's a quick definition. A thorn is any ongoing source of pain or trouble or difficulty that's outside my control. A thorn is an ongoing source of pain or trouble or difficulty that's outside of my control, meaning 
I'm stuck with this, and there's really nothing I can do about it. So I wonder this morning, any of you have an ongoing source of pain or trouble or difficulty that's outside of your control? Can I see your hands? Any of you have a, a source of pain, trouble, difficulty? Go ahead, keep your hand up, because I want you to look around. Because oftentimes we think, well, I'm the only one. And the truth is, <laughs> it's pretty common. Matter of fact, I've realized most of the time, most of us have some area of pain, trouble, or difficulty that just won't go away. The greatest danger for the Apostle Paul, in your eyes, was getting infected with spiritual pride. And the Lord knew that. Focusing on exalting and glorifying Paul instead of glorifying Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, the greatest danger for you and me is the very same thing. The greatest danger to our lives is getting infected with spiritual pride. When, when I'm all about me looking good, my comfort, my health, getting my way, making sure the top part of my iceberg looks really good and you're really impressed with me. That's what pride looks like. Put it right up here on the screen. Jesus is more interested in our humility than our comfort. Say that with me. Jesus is more interested in our humility than in our comfort. Ouch. It's true. The Lord Jesus hates pride in his children so much, he's willing to take drastic action. He's even willing to say, okay, demon, have at it. Uh, gives him some parameters. I don't think the demon could take Paul's life, but he's allowing things to get into our lives to get our attention. So Jesus is exalted and not Jeff. You understand? That's how much he hates pride. So, if the Lord's not willing to remove Paul's thorn, how does he expect Paul to deal with the pain and the trouble and the difficulty? Back to the text, verse 9. Each time, here's what the Lord said back to Paul, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now, I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses. Okay? Basically, the Lord said, Paul, I appreciate you asking. You came to the right source. I'm the one who allowed this to happen in your life, but I'm not going to do supernatural LASIK surgery on your eyes. That's one of the guesses of the thorns. Bad eyes. Uh, Paul... I'm not going to heal your arthritis or your malaria. That's another couple guesses of what's going on with Paul. So I'm not going to take away your epilepsy or your speech impediment. Those are other guesses that some scholars have. I'm not going to deliver you from your depression or your anxiety, Paul. Those are still further guesses of what Paul's thorn. Whatever Paul's thorn was, verse 9, look at it. Paul, I'm not going to take it away. I'm not going to remove your thorn. Instead, look at verse 9. This is great. 
I'm not going to take away your thorn. Instead, I'm going to turn up the grace. I'm going to give you extra amounts of grace to deal with the situation, the thorny problem you're facing. Okay? I'm going to give you extra loads of grace. Um, Verse 9 is true for Paul. It's true for you and me. God's grace, the grace of Jesus Christ, is sufficient to see you and I through whatever situation we're going to go through. Is that not good news? Whatever you face, whatever we might have to go through, no matter how painful and troubling and difficult it might be, the Lord says, I'm going to give you grace to deal with it. My grace is more than enough to see you through. Okay? I'm going to get you through. Okay? So why doesn't Jesus just take it away? You ready? Because God's power works best when we're weak, when we're humbled. Okay? When I'm feeling strong and powerful, thanks Jesus, take a break, the power and the grace of Jesus doesn't shine much. It's when I'm feeling weak and humbled and pain going on in my life, now we're trusting, now I'm depending on Jesus, and I'm not confident in me, I'm confident in Jesus. You understand? Jesus is exalted. Otherwise, Jeff is puffed up. Jeff is exalted, little or or no Jesus glorified. And you know what that is? That's wood, hay, stubble stuff that just gets burned up. So Paul says, you know what? I need a new attitude. I need a new perspective. I need to start viewing trouble and pain and suffering and weakness and thorns in a different way. I I need to put new glasses on when I'm looking at thorns. Verse 9, last part. Here's what it says. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, say it with me, then I am strong. For when I am weak, say it. Okay. Paul lists five different types of trouble, adversity, difficulties that he's faced. Let's just go through those one at a time. He says, I faced weaknesses, primarily referring to disease and sickness, physical limitations and problems. Second type Paul has faced, insults, undeserved attacks, being verbally assaulted, accused, unjustly third type hardships necessities of life having your needs unmet money to pay bills serious pressure and pain persecutions that's a suffering because you love and live for jesus attacks because i'm serving and obeying and living for Jesus and living according to his word. Fifth type, troubles, disasters, calamities, tragedies of life, 
means to be boxed in with heartache and with pain. I just want to pause for a moment. Look at those five different types of adversity that Paul faced. And here's my question. Are you currently facing any of these five? Any of this going on in your life? Weakness, insults, hardships, persecution, troubles, any of that going on? If there's something like that going on in your life, then you get a choice. You're either going to get mad and angry and upset and, Lord, I don't understand. Why would you allow this? And you can bitterly shake your fist at Jesus for allowing this thorn. Why haven't you taken it away? Why didn't you just get rid of it? Or, here's the other option. It's time to adopt a new attitude. (laughs) It's time to put on your biblical glasses, if you will. It's time to look at what you're facing with God's lenses realizing, Jesus, you know what you're doing, even though I don't like what's going on right now. And learn to daily drink from the grace. Remember he said he's going to turn up the grace so that we can glorify and trust and make Jesus look good, make Jesus look strong and powerful, even though I'm in the middle of a really tough spot. Pastor Jason Ritchie, Last Sunday, he's our East Jordan Community Church campus pastor. He's been there for 12 years. Before that, five, six years as our youth pastor. But anyway, for the last seven, eight years, I don't know if you know this, Jason's just been sick. And he's been to every doctor. He's tried every remedy. Anybody that has ever had something wrong, hey, have you tried this? He's pretty much tried it all, okay? Still haven't figured out the root cause, okay? Keep praying for Jason. Just write that down. Jason Ritchie, sick, okay? Um, Some Sundays, Jason has to practically crawl up front and preach. That's just the truth. And then he says, and after church, he's in bed recovering for the next several days because he just feels awful. Anyway, I tell you that, verse 8 is Jason's verse. He said, for eight years now, I've been claiming this verse because this, this is what I hold on to. My grace is all you need. Christ's power works best in weakness. Isn't that good? He said, that's my verse. <laughs> so he said, I repeat that to myself almost daily. My grace is all you need, Jason. Christ's power works best in weakness. And I'm just telling you the last three years, I can identify with Jason and his physical struggles. Okay? After four eye surgeries and triple bypass, my verse is verse 10. For when I am weak, <laughs> then I am strong. That's the one I say all the time in my head. For, for when I'm weak, feeling weak, then I'm strong. I'm not strong enough, Lord. I'm too flawed. I'm too broken. And here's what the Lord says back. (laughs) Finally, finally, Jeff, you're right now exactly where I want you, okay? The Lord Jesus specializes 
in using flawed, broken people. Do you understand that? The Lord Jesus does his best work when we realize, you know what, I'm not good enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not powerful enough, and Jesus says, right? (laughs) That's always been true. But finally now, you've woken up to it. Because it's not about what I have to give to Jesus. It's not about what we bring to Jesus. It's about what we don't have that he gives to us. Do you understand the difference? We think, oh, i got to bring everything. We don't have much. We never have had much. It's about what we don't have that he brings to you and me. I'm reminded of people much worse off than me. Put the picture of Nancy up there. Anybody know this lady? Yeah. Yeah, Nancy Sando, one of my favorites. Hi, Nancy. She's watching every Sunday. Okay? Uh, She's got a rare condition called FOP. I think most of you know that. But she's been especially tormented this last summer. She broke her leg. She had flare-ups. But I'm telling you, I don't hardly know of anybody who the Lord has used and displayed his power and grace through as much as Nancy Sando. Yeah, it's, it's, it's when we're weak that he's strong. Uh, let me show you another slide here. Uh, she just recently got promoted. Lee is now with the Lord. She went to church here for many, many years, she and Phil... Then she went over to the East Jordan campus. But Lee would get so frustrated with her brain injury. And she would almost scream she's so frustrated at times. But God not only used Lee in spite of her brain injury. Are you ready? I think God's power worked best in Lee because of her weakness. And that's what we got to get in our being. We, we need to get new lenses, new perspectives, because we live in a world filled with thorns. Do you understand? We live in a world filled with thorns. Are we going to grumble and complain and be bitter and upset and say, well, once I get through this, once the Lord takes this away, then I'll do something? No, no. Are you ready to accept the reality, give me your eyes, Jesus gets his plan accomplished better through our weaknesses, our brokenness, our pain, our thorns. He really does. Yeah. Well, you say, Jesus, okay, I'm going to quit waiting till after, and I want you to glorify and honor and help me praise you even in the middle of the thorn that you seemingly decided not to take away. And I'm okay with that. Just let me shine bright. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. Say it with me. For when I am, then I'm strong. It's true. Most of us, though, you you say, can it really be true? Huge step. So, So I just have a few questions before we close. Where are you weak this morning? What areas are you struggling with? And what, what places in your life do you have a limitation, 
a flaw, a hardship, or maybe this is more general, which part of your life don't you like too much right now? I'm telling you, we're talking about digging below into our iceberg. This is a huge step in becoming emotionally mature, learning to accept our weak areas. Learning to come to grips. You know what? I have limitations. I have some areas of brokenness. And learning to deal with those thorns in our lives. King Jesus allows difficulties and pain and trouble. Why? Just like he allowed difficulties and pain and trouble and thorns in Paul's life. Why does he allow that? Are you ready? Because it melts away pride. It really does. So that Christ's power can shine bright through you and through me. Okay? Christ's power can replace Jeff's puny power. Why is that? Are you ready? One last, night, one last time. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. Yeah. When I'm weak, okay, now Christ's power can take over. Bow your heads as we close. Lord, uh, thank you for the straight talk you give us in your book. We confess it even sounds strange to our ears because we're used to this world where it's just the opposite. When I'm strong, when I'm powerful, that's when I'm feeling and looking good. That's just opposite. Help us to learn to embrace our weaknesses, Lord. Help us to accept our hardships and troubles. Lord, would you help us to begin to see your power shining through our thorns? And as we close, I'd just like to pray. I know some of you have a thorn this morning, and I'd love to close by praying for you. If you'd like prayer today, pray for me and this thorn I'm wrestling with. Would you raise your hand? I'd love to pray for you as we close. Yep. Anybody else? Anybody else got a thorn? Yep. Everybody in the balcony? Everybody in the balcony doing great. Yep. Lord, the truth is, none of us want thorns, if we're honest. They're no fun. But Lord, you've told us in your book that you allow thorns and hard stuff to melt our pride. So Lord, uh, keep teaching us that we don't do well living independently of you and your son. And I'm praying, Lord, you'd turn up the grace on my friends. Just like you did in Paul's life, Lord, turn up your grace. Help us to know and believe and speak and live out that truth that when we're weak, that's actually when we're strongest in you. So watch over my, my friends and help us to walk close with your son Jesus during these thorny days. And finally, I don't want to assume or presume that everybody here this morning knows Jesus personally. 
Never want to leave without giving those here in person, watching online, the opportunity to say, yes, Jesus, I believe, I do. I'm ready to become a child of your son, Jesus. Jesus said this, here I am, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anybody hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in. Did you know today he's knocking at every door of every life? The question is this. Will by faith you open the door of your life and invite Jesus in? He's knocking. He's a gentleman. He, he won't knock the door down and barge in. He waits for us to believe and welcome him in. Will you say today, Jesus, come in. Be my Savior, my Lord, my King. You took my place on that cross. You shed your blood for my sins. I accept what you did for me on that cross. I believe it. I believe you took my place in that grave. I believe early Sunday morning you arose from the dead for me. I receive you as Savior and Lord and King. Give me right now the gift of eternal life. If you're here today in person, I'd love to see you today. Come find me. Make your way to the prayer corner. We'll celebrate. If you're watching online, hit that prayer button. If you're watching later in the week, contact us. We'd love to chat with you and help you get going in your journey with Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for loving us so much that you even allow thorns, difficulties into our lives. We love you. It's in Jesus' wonderful, marvelous, matchless name we pray.